the goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. And welcome to Adjunct, where we interview the top advertising lecturers and professors across the country to lend some knowledge to your ear without spending thousands of dollars on a university credit. This week, we hear and learn from Jay Newell, professor at Iowa State University. Jay Newell is a highly respected educator in the field of advertising, having received both the American Advertising Federation's Distinguished Advertising Educator Award and the Association for Education and Journalism and Mass Communication Advertising Division's Distinguished Teaching Award. With over 20 years of experience in the industry, including working in network journalism, advertising, and media management, Jay is known for his innovative teaching methods. He also has a strong background in quantitative media research and a passion for ethical and free communication. He's one of the few professors out there with 20 years of industry experience as well as a PhD. His research focuses on media saturation, which is the extent to which individuals are exposed to media content and how marketers and organizations use saturated media. Jay is the perfect balance between those research-heavy professors we know and the ones that only have industry experience. So in this episode, we will hear about Jay Newell's career in advertising and his experiences at Iowa State University. We will also learn about how he met Mr. Rogers and, of course, his advice for aspiring advertisers. He also shares his thoughts on the strengths of Gen Z and how they can succeed in the industry because of them. So get ready to be inspired and motivated as we listen to Jay's story and insights. Also, if you want to break into advertising as an art director, copywriter, strategist, or even account, we have a special opportunity for you. Breaking and Entering is excited to announce the launch of our Crowbar Awards, a chance for aspiring advertising professionals to showcase their skills and get noticed by recruiters and industry experts. We will release a new creative brief for you to work on with a friend every quarter. Whether or not you decide to enter is up to you, but the best campaign will earn an actual blue crowbar to help break into your favorite agency. It's an award and a tool. And who better to judge this inaugural show than Greg Hahn, co-founder of Mischief, one of the top agencies in the business today. So industry recruiters and professionals will be watching the winners. Be sure to check that out at our show description for more details. Now on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast Adjunct Edition. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. All right. Professor Jay Newell, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast Adjunct edition how are you doing today i'm doing i'm doing great it's it's a delight to be here i've listened to uh some of your episodes and i just love how this uh show is building bridges uh between students who are maybe thinking about advertising or in the middle of it and wondering what do i do with this i know i want to be an advertiser i know i want to be in advertising but i don't know what i want what that actually means mm-hmm. uh and you know you're kind of the guy putting some meaning to it. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment. And I'm sure you've been doing the same thing for a long time 
in, throughout your entire career because we're here to talk about what you're doing because you're a professor at Greenlee School of Journalism and Communication at Iowa State University. Do you specifically only teach advertising and mass communications? Tell us about that. I, okay, so uh, my background is uh, growing up in a college town and um, started in radio as a little kid. I mean, I was 14 years old when I started in radio. And what were you uh, doing at 14 in radio? I walked in and I walked into this little tiny radio station, thousand watt, which when you think about it is 10 light bulbs strung together. And, sure. um, <laughs> you know, and said, hey, you know, can you give me a job? This looks interesting. And, uh, you know, so I did board work and, you know, uh, put commercials on carts and things like that, but also started producing documentaries, radio documentaries, because, well, they, that no one wanted to tell the 14-year-old that he couldn't do that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I started, I started uh do I started doing that. Um and went and went to college, um, studied television, broadcasting, radio, communication, things like that, as a, as an undergrad, as an undergrad, and then uh went and started in television, starting in uh, uh broadcast TV and public television. Uh, in Pittsburgh, so Mr. Rogers was just down the hall from me. So I really, you know, enjoy seeing the do- you know the documentaries. Then went to New Did York. You ever talk with him? Oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah. How was that? Oh, it was great. And then um, Mr. McFeely. Okay, this is way off. But Mr. McFeely, his last name was Newell. He's David Newell. Is the is the uh, personal? Okay, is the, is the person we have to share the last same last name, so we would share each other's phone calls too. So we got to know each other real well. And so my kids had the uh, uh, the joy of having Mr. McFeely at the dinner table a couple of times. Amazing. Uh, so the, from there, went to New York. Uh, cable television was just getting started. Uh, really teeny, teeny. Uh, walked in and, and uh, helped start up Nickelodeon, helped start up Lifetime. Uh, HBO was already there. Then it went, back, went down uh, to uh atlanta and how and, are you helping to start these what's your role okay, so, yeah i was the promo guy you know um you know as seen on television the promo guy and you know cr- you know cutting the spots doing the graphics uh figuring out the sound and the person uh, the personalization um uh for these uh for these channels and we're just kind of figuring it out as we go along Oh, okay so a little bit like you're producing your production I, this is a area i'm not an expert in on the on the cable television side, so yeah. give us a little more. And that. and so you know you know so, um, in an agency where everything is split, you know, is everything is hyper specialized mm-hmm. because well, if you're buying ad time, especially, you got to make every second absolutely count. Um, yeah. Within television, well, you know, especially television promotion, um, it owns its own time, so that time is less valuable. Um, ah, yeah. And so you'll have the same person writing the ads, writing the promotions, the self-promotion pieces, and directing them and shooting them. And, uh, uh, you know, depending on the technology of the year, edit, doing, the, uh, doing the editing, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even, you know, maybe even the graphics and literally hand-delivering that. So I helped uh, with CNN doing that, uh, CNN International, Headline News, then TNT. Um, and it's just, it was just a great, great career to have. And what and would you guys ever work with agencies? What was your role specifically? That's with a, you know, that's interesting. So yes, we absolutely work with you know we absolutely work with a uh, with a agencies. Uh, my mentor 
uh, who I started working uh, started working with uh, uh, in New York was a guy named Fred uh, Fred Seibert, uh, who was one of the star- one of the founders of MTV. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, I learned the agency side from him because he always wanted to work with agency. He came out of that same tradition of do it yourself. And he wanted uh, to work with agencies. And his favorite story is going going in uh, and getting pitched by Ogilvy mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and saying, OK, this is great. Uh, what about Ogilvy's rules? And the guy pitching didn't know him. So mm. he went somewhere. He he went somewhere else. But uh, I, I, you know, I think wow. the folks who do this sort of work uh, really do aspire to that agency style of thing. You know, that agency style of thinking, where you're thinking deeply about things. Uh, you're busting up the job, so you're not trying to do a little bit of everything badly. You're trying to do your thing very, very well. Yes, yes, got it. So, how long were you in in, in television cable for? Uh, I mean, you said some really interesting things already, like you started up Nickelodeon and uh, CNN, right? You said, yeah, and CNN and um, TNT was the last place and had a had just a wonderful time at all the all these places. It, it really is not like work, and you know, you know, when you got you know the the boss is Ted Turner. That was you know these legend, you know these people who were even legends kind of at the time. Um, you know, it, so it was it was just a terrific thing, and I did about twenty years and all that. Gotcha. And uh, right now I'm at the absolute moment where I've done exactly 20 years in education as well. Wow. And, and okay, I want I want to get into this as well because we don't have a lot of um, adjunct features. I know it's called adjunct. You're not adjunct. I'm close. We have a lot of people or guests from universities that are professors of practice where they get this professor title, quote unquote, uh, because they have 20, 20 plus, 25 plus years of experience and they switch over. But you yep. are one of the few so far that I've talked to that has 20 plus years of experience in the industry, 20 plus teaching, and you have that PhD. Yeah. So, well, yeah, you've it's done a either, lot. Well, I'm a victim of bad math. I'm, if, if I ever figured out how much, you know, I would have to stop everything for four or five years to get a PhD. You know, and the amount of money I had to you know, kind of set aside to do that, but I don't think that. You know, I think about okay. you know what what I'm doing in front of me, and there are a handful of us in a growing number, uh, growing number of people who have uh, significant industry experience and also uh, sig- uh, significant you know research exposure, and uh, that's because uh, universities really have two jobs. You know, the big ones at least have two yeah. two jobs, and one is education. Right, you know, and we and, and that's really a focus, and the professors of practice are all about that. Right. And the the other is the generation of knowledge. You know, it's looking at, th- it's trying to build theory and test things out, and trying to make the world a little bit smarter place tomorrow than it was, you know, than it was yesterday. The field. Yep, exactly. And um, you know, and the professors of practice, uh, they're you know they're they're expected to help the, on the teaching side. Whereas the the folks on the research end who have the research experience are expected to do both, to do some teaching yeah. and, and, and some research. And I've been really lucky and because uh, uh, I'm always interested in what happens next and what, you know, what what the world is going to change to. And yeah, uh, as a researcher, you get to see that. 
So why why did you want the why did you want to get the PhD? Why did you want to do some of that research? Because we know we notice a lot of these professors that or the professors of practice have they're like I I know everything I need to know about the industry. I've done it for so long. I'm an expert in my position. So why do I need to get more educated? Why can't I just yeah that, that, why, that, what, change? Okay, so okay, so that's a that's a great question, and um, uh. You know, you would think that I really thought it through and and did all this stuff, but one, no. Uh, there were two things I really wanted. The reason I wanted to go into the education side of things is I wanted to live in a college town because I had little kids and I wanted them to grow up in a college town. Why? Um, they're just so, there's, in a college town, the world is just right in, you know, right in front of you all the time. The doors are not locked. You know, that you can walk into a lab, you can go backstage, uh, yeah. you can go onto the the practice farms, things like that. Or, or and the like, kids do that. You know, and if yeah. you look around any university, you went to Illinois, you know, if, uh, you're going to see kids wanting, you know, you see this whole little subculture of kids who are just on campus, to, you know, and boy, they're soaking it up. And and um, I wanted my kids to, to have, to have and, that opportunity. And you did that growing up as well at, at, at North Carolina, correct? Exactly, exactly. I did that, so I know I knew how powerful it, it is. And then, in terms of, well, okay, so you want to live, be, be in a university setting, a uh, big university, you know, the, uh, college town sort of sort of thing. Well, you know, what are the jobs of it? What are the jobs available? And one of was professor, of course. And you know, and. Uh, I'd been told, because uh, I'd asked around when I was making this transition, uh, for a lot of advice from a lot of people, and it was fairly consistent that the doctorate, the PhD, the research degree, is what it's really called, is the union court. Yeah. That, yeah, you can go and can teach for a few years, and maybe even more than a few years, and have a really nice time, you know, time of it without it, maybe just a master's degree. Uh, but if you really want to build programs and build curriculum and, you know, sit in faculty meetings and get bored out of your mind and things like that. Well, you got to have the, you get the PhD. And gotcha. uh, I didn't question that too much, um, you know, and, but it's, it, but I had such a good time getting a PhD, you know, why, you know, why question it? And um, the value of the PhD was interesting because you, you said a, a moment ago, you know, everything about the business, you know, why do I have to go back to school? Well, uh, when you get a PhD, you you learn what people don't know. You learn how little we actually understand about the world around us. You 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 learn how how thin our theories are of what happens next. Um, and so that's really the value of the PhD. It's not learning what people already know. You probably knew that you you were exposed to it. You're in the business. You know you're in in a business. And you learn all the how to do things efficiently and so on. But to learn how little we have behind all that, in terms of apps, you know, in terms of knowledge that's been tested uh, over and over again and proven, there's just so much. It's just almost like an infinite thing, you know, infinite amount of of uh, learning that we can be doing. Wow, interesting. I, I'm, and it, I am curious why then most more people don't take the PhD or pursue the PhD route? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a bad math thing. It's, you're giving up a lot of, of 
if you're working in the business and you're successful at it, you might be making decent money. And to stop doing that for three, four, five years, you know, then the math just looks terrible when you do, you know, you know, if you pay attention to that sort of thing. Um, And so, so that becomes a limitation, but, uh, you know, I go to conferences and um, there are more and more people who, uh, who have done industry experience and have gotten the the PhD because they know they want to, they might want to stay in academics. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I'm definitely super interested in that and learning more about that. But for our audience here, uh, they're looking to get that first job in advertising and whether or not a master's degree will help them. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I, what do you, what's your take on that? I think if the master's is in maybe some very specific areas, not advertising, uh, data science, for example. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know, um, uh, almost anything with computer design, things like that, UX, uh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, yeah. maybe. But on the other hand, you can read a couple books and you can show on LinkedIn that you're interested in this area of, right. let's say, data science and you're following it and you're trying to teach yourself, you're try, trying to learn. Um, and frankly, some of that would go, you know, should go almost as far as investing a year or two years oh, in a, in a, master, I've never in heard a master's that. program. That's interesting. I haven't heard that before. So like document your learning process online, whether that's a website or a blog that you're doing or some sort of podcast or, or, or on LinkedIn, document your pro- progress in, in a specific research field that you're yeah, doing. Abs- you know, absolutely. In fact, you can see it going on with LinkedIn now is that uh, more and more of uh, people's profiles are about what they can do not the pedigree that they have. And then I think that's really important for students uh, to be thinking about what they can do, what they have done, you know, on a, you know, on a small scale, you know, on their own scale, the scale they had in, in, you know, in front of them. Can they do some data analysis? Can they, you know, can they design, you know, and they do, uh, can they write, can they make things happen? Can they do events? Can they promote things? You know, can they, uh, you know, and, create, yeah. and those are all lists of things that don't necessarily attach to what don't have to attach to a company name. And, yeah, I, and like I think that. you'll see over the years, LinkedIn uh, moving away from the pedigree approach, you know, here are the companies that I've worked with and more to here, here are some of the skills, here are some of the proven skill sets. Um, and, you know, and certainly, you know, with badging and things like that, it's a good way to show, you know, for students to show, uh, to show that. Yeah, absolutely. And students should be, or, or listeners should be pretty familiar. Like they should be on their LinkedIn's and they should be developing content and developing their personal brand online and, and, and documenting their progress. So yeah, I totally, I think it's, yeah. And I think it's easier to do it. It's, it sounds intimidating, but you realize that, especially when you're looking for a job, people are going to pull up LinkedIn. There's some, um, you know, human resources, uh, applicant tracking systems that will automatically try to find uh the applicant's linkedin profile yeah and and you're not going to get a lot of analysis what you're going to do is get a proof of what you're interested in and so that's a little bit of the text up at the hot at the header you know that you know okay you're going to say somewhere else you're a student at such and such you know organization that's great but you know what are you really interested what are are things that drive you and then you can prove that by who you follow Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to have accomplished things to show that you want into the 
tribe of people who do uh, who who, uh, who do uh, UX for advertising. Ah, yes, I, I, that's very interesting. Who you follow makes a lot of sense as well. And then where you go, what events you attend, and if you post a picture at that event, that can help too. Yeah, absolutely. Simple as that. Absolutely, it is simpler. It is as simple as that. You know, love it. Awesome. So tell me a little bit high level now about Iowa State, because I like to learn about different institutions here. So if I'm a freshman student and can I study advertising? Is it a major? What does the program look like? Is it yeah, journalism? Okay. Yeah, good, 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 good question. So, freshman okay. is so Iowa, Iowa State, it's in the middle of Iowa, a lot of, you know, rural, uh, you know, about 80 some percent of the students, 85 come from, come from fairly close, you know, fairly close, uh, fairly close in. Um, it's uh, relatively inexpensive, uh, and so the out of state student, out of state students from the Midwest know that they, you know, nice. they can pay less as an out of state student at Iowa State than in state, maybe in, in their home states. Um, like a lot of schools uh, of that of that size, it has a communications set of programs. One of the majors is advertising, another is public relations, another is journalism. And uh, so they're all grouped together in a school of journalism and communication. And uh, that has a meaning too, to be honest. And um, what that means is the overall feel of the place and the overall approach is going to be maybe more towards ethics and uh, public service and public information, and maybe a little bit less about being efficient selling things you know at the lowest selling things or communicating things at the lowest cost you know if you had an advertising program or communication program within a business school uh you know yes there they you know the you know um yeah. you know they, there it would be all about efficiency right where it's you know in a journalism you know kind of under, under the umbrella of a journalism program then ethics come first yes. first amendment comes first yep I, I see a lot of the schools that we talk to have a, like a college of communications. Absolutely. And that's yep. where the advertising program will live in. Yep. Um, I haven't seen any just yet that's in their business school. And that would probably just be a yeah, marketing. Yeah, there, there are a couple there. Well, within marketing, yeah. And um, you'll see very few and nothing that very uh, public relations lives in one or two that I know of. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're abs absolutely right. Advertising. Um, tends to be either within a journalism school, sometimes within an arts program, but yep. mostly, you know, mostly in these sort of applied communication programs. Gotcha. So uh, what are, do you have different tracks that you go down? How do you guys kind of develop creative portfolios if, if people know early on that they want to be an art director or a copywriter, let's say. For hey, boy, that, that is the, the great question. And also a really, uh, a really big, a really big challenge. Because mm -hmm. uh, when you go to a, a a school like Iowa State or almost any other, it's a Bachelor of Arts program mm -hmm. uh, or a Bachelor of Science, but but it's within maybe liberal arts. Yeah, and so there's going to be a lot of credits, 120 credits, say, yeah, of everything that you take, and maybe only 30 or 40 of them are going to be in your major. Right, right, right. right. Um, and so it's not a sort of conservatory sort of sort of approach is that enough to get up to speed with things like media and strategy and research that stuff the courses plus an internship 
problem, no problem. People do it mm -hmm. all the, you know, people yep. do it successfully all the time. Uh, on the art side, it is way more of a challenge. Yeah, you know, uh, the art and copy part of you know the art and copy part of things. There, there's an expectation. You mentioned the word portfolio that your portfolio shows that you can do saleable work from day one. Yes. There aren't a whole lot of jobs out there that are like that. Maybe being an airline pilot, yeah. you know, maybe being an actor, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe being an art, you know, art, you know, art director. And so it's really difficult to generate, especially if somebody wanted to be an, an art director to generate that through a program where they're only taking a minority of their credits. Right. You know, a minority of their credits in, in the major. Right. Uh, so what people do is either they uh, say, oh, I love this stuff, and they do a lot of part-time work yep. and internships and things like that, and they build up a portfolio that way, or or they uh, might finish up the program and say, okay, you know, I'm going to bite the bullet and do a portfolio school. Yep. Yep. What, um, do you guys have like any portfolio classes or do you even have like a club agency mm -hmm. set, like set up there that they can get some, some work? So the, the answer to all that is yes. Yep. So, um, there's, uh, uh, a design class and then a portfolio class after that, but you know, still it's, it's boy, hard. That, you know, a six, you know, a, a single class is meets for maybe 45 hours, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and so, okay, two courses, that's 90. Great. That's what, two weeks work, you know, yeah. plus whatever you, you know, plus whatever, uh, whatever you do at home. And, um, it's rough generating the, you know, I'll be honest, it's rough generating enough art, especially to build a good, a good, a good, so, a good portfolio. So what do you tell when, when, if a student comes to you and like, Hey, I've done my research. I've, I've listened to Gino's podcast. Just kidding. Uh, they, yeah. They've done, they know what they want to do and they know it's art direction or copyright. What do you tell them then? Like in addition to all their classwork and all the That's other great. Yeah. Thing. Um, to do the, to start here, um, to learn the strategy part of things, uh, to learn the research things, to, to learn the business as a whole, how this all fits together, how it fits, how it fits with, with marketing and do as much as you can, uh, do as much as you can on, on the side. The students, some of the students who've been really successful on, you know, on that score haven't been great students. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're not the straight A students, no, uh, no. you know, but, you know, the, 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 uh, the guys and girls who go off into their dorm rooms for four years and they come out for classes and they do the minimum, they get, you know, they get by and, you know, they get, yeah. you know, graduate with the B average or whatever, but they've been doing stuff on the side like yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that that's how and, I was. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's that is that's a legit, you know, that's a legit legitimate it, path. Yeah, it's definitely time management. And it it building a portfolio is like a job. It's like oh absolutely. Um, it's just yeah. like an internship. Uh so you definitely need to allocate time, find spec work, find a balance of real work. For, you really the recruiters are looking at five to six campaigns with multiple executions in each that are diverse and showing different media platforms as we know about. So it takes time to get four to five, or sorry, five to six good ones oh, that yeah. are thought out. And if you start early and you know early uh, and you talk with yourself and, and, and other professors at the school and then, then they can connect you with some industry alum, um, it's a pretty good, pretty good method if you know earlier on 
to start and, and yeah. allocate a lot yeah. of time. Yeah. But the pressure comes in when people don't start early because, uh, you know, a lot of places advertising, public relations, communication is kind of a found major. Someone comes in, they're majoring yep. something else later, and, yep. you know, and, and, you know, they, they walk into the class cause they, you know, they had to fill three credits of something right. and go, Oh wow, this is for me. You exactly. Know? And they come you know, in like it, sophomore year, junior year. Exactly. You know, and it's, it's hard building up enough, enough heads, you know, head of steam. However, the world is changing, um, you know, and, and, um, sort of built into your, you know, the way you asked the question is the idea of people aspire to work in advertising agencies and, and some do, yeah. you know, I, I know, you know, some, you know, some do and, uh, but others, they want to be creative. They want to pull yep. things together and the, you know, that an agency may not be the one and only, you know, the one oh, and no. only, yeah. only place it's, it's sort of, you know, we, we were talking earlier, about how, you know, uh, I come out of this television background where, you know, television promotion, well, the airtime was the, the station or the network didn't have to pay for it. You know, right. it was just foregone revenue. Well, that means you can let the new kid do something. And if every frame is not excellent, it doesn't matter. No one's going to, you know, uh, yeah, there's no agency to lose the, you know, lose the job. Right. You get, yeah. so, on. so if it doesn't pull as much as it maybe could have, you don't want that. You want to move beyond that, but you're not going to go and cry at night because of it. No. Whereas an agency, you can't afford to do, you know, you can't afford to do that way. So, but the world has changed for so much of the communication that's being done strategically is being done through these channels, which frankly, the space and the time is just a lot cheaper, you know, and a lot less investment. So. Yeah, they're going to let the internal people do, you know, they're going to let the internal people do, do stuff, the in-house, uh, in you know, the in-house people that have maybe, you know, a range of, you know, range of skills from absolute hot, you know, hot shot to like, okay, the new intern, you know, they're going to let her do, you know, do something. So there are more opportunities than there were, say, 10, 15, you know, madman era. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was always just a proponent that you should start agency for a year to three years if you can, and then go off and do whatever else you might be interested, whether that's in-house or you go and get your, your MBA or whatever, whatever other options there are out there. And I want to ask you now, cause you've been teaching for a while and you've mm -hmm. seen all types of students come through, I'm sure of different generations. How would you kind of characterize like the Gen Z millennial S, like the millennial? Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and okay. So, what do so they want? I'll, I'll, I'll start it, you know, got, got to start it with a disclaimer that, you know, there are no hard, fast lines between generations. And yeah. some people, you know, act way more like their parents than, than you know, than they act towards a, than they, they act. It's generalizing act like a, for sure. With, 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 you know, with that being, you know, with that being said, I wonder even your path of saying, go to the agency, spend three years, then do something else, you know, maybe get more, you know, more education, you know, has been driven by what you've seen as you were growing up. Oh yeah. And the people you know, I talk to or yeah, the people you oh, talk to and you know, the man, you know, that you, you know, the man, man, well, uh, the Gen Z. So d by definition, a Gen Z is born, you know, nine, 97 or so and be, you know, beyond. And so, the students we have in front of us, the students who, you know, who are on this podcast, well, they're, you know, going to be 
predominantly Gen Zs, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and well, Mad Men, they were 10, 12 years old when Mad Men left, you know, Asia, well, you know, left the channel, right? you know, and maybe they saw, you know, maybe, you know, they, they saw, saw Blackish and they saw, you know, Anthony Anderson working at an agency and said that was great, but, you know, you know, the, they're they're growing up in sort of this non-television world, your non-broadcast television world that you know watching stuff on ABC was something that grandma does, right? You know, right, right. so they may you know they they may have may have missed that. So that sort of aspirational imagery uh, may not be in as many of their heads as they were the, in the generations prior, in the millennial generation, and the, and certainly the gener- yep. generations you know, generations, you know, before, um, uh, I have a daughter who's, who's a, a Gen Z and the way she explains it, uh, who's by the way, in kind of in the family business of television promotion. Um, and the way she explained it to me is, uh, she said, dad, that place in your head, that's just full, full of, full of movie quotes. Well, we don't have that. We have a space with memes. You got one of those? No. You know, so, you know, so the reference, you know, the reference points on Z, you know, on Gen Zs can be different. I also see different skill sets, um, uh, things that uh, maybe a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, ability with math that, that actually the math education on the Gen Zs might be better than the millennials and better than the, uh, the folks that came before them. That's a surprise to everybody, but it looks pretty good. Um in terms of being able to sort through vast amounts of information that come in from different places and synthesize that in, and synthesize that information, I'm working with some uh, Gen Z students who are just blowing me away every day. Good strategy, on how fast they can think through things, stuff that I would have to ponder for days or weeks, and you know, kind of wake up one morning and say, "Ah, I got it." They can, <laughs> they can get to that aha. In minutes, perfect strategist. Yeah, yeah. That they can pull these things together very, very quickly. They can edit very quickly. They, uh, they, they have to. You know, they're they're seeing. You know that they could not get through a day without, you know, without swiping away the stuff they didn't need. Very, very, very quickly. Um, you know, so they're thinking a little differently. They're thinking maybe faster. You know, in in some ways. And I'll say for my population, they're also thinking aspirationally different. I don't necessarily think that this is a, a generation which when they when it's all said and done, is gonna say, yeah, we defined ourselves by our career, each one of us. That the most important thing was our career and what we did. Because I think they see how shaky that is. <laughs> you know, they, yep. they see how shaky that is and they look and see, well, what's What's permanent? And that's family, and so I, I, I'm, I'm dealing with a Midwest population, or teaching to, yep. to a Midwest yep. population. Uh, but it's not unusual for a student to say, uh, "I want a good job," but that's close to family. Not even, but that's close to family. I want a good job that's close to family, and the close to family part is not negotiable. Ah, you know? love that. And so the idea of going some, you know, going somewhere, not for everybody, some really want to, of course, you know, you know, they want to be New York. They want to be London. They want to be Chicago. You're right. Um, right. But that's not it, you know, but uh, that's not, not everyone. 
fortunately, the business is you know scattered so much that they can do really well. Mm-hmm. They can have great jobs. They can do really interesting things that show up on screen, even though it wasn't created in New York. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there are so many opportunities to create content that they they know about inherently from growing up with the technology. They can work from home, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I know me personally, I I know that I have a North Star and my nest like whatever agency I'm at or wherever my career is at, as long as I'm following my North Star helping students break into thrive in advertising, I will be happy. I find uh-huh. that with my podcast. So I don't lose too much sleep, you know, about where I'm at agency wise or what my day job is because I'm doing what I love on the side here. So That's I get great. that. Yeah. Thank you. So I love that. What other so to your audience to the audience now who are predominantly Gen Z or 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 recent graduates or whatever the zillennial term is, um, what advice do you find yourself constantly repeating to your students to help them break in? Of course, great. You know, that's a great question. And uh, it's do things. You know, it's funny, you, you know, you you talked about, you know, the ability to use tools and all that. I'm not absolutely convinced that as a cohort, uh, the, you know, they were all installed with the ability to actually make things. Uh, and, okay. uh, you know, that, that they're very, very good consumers of media. You know, that, yeah, they're absolutely trained on the, consu- you know, consuming end of things. But to um, bust stuff down and actually make things and and put messages out there and create messages for people that you don't know and don't know you and aren't going to you know cut you breaks if you're uh you know if you're if your writing isn't consistent or your messaging is you know your messaging is poor you're leaving words out you're screwing things up which everyone does in you know in in interpersonal communication right but that sort of professionalize that communication I'm not convinced that that they come equipped, that everyone comes equipped with that, and that's fine. Right. And and uh, my advice is is develop it, do stuff, you know, do this. You know, boy, we, you know, we have all these uh, all these uh, things at universities that are harder and harder to get to because I know that students are in deeper and deeper financial stress, you know, and having to work crazy amounts of hours you know, un- unconscionable amounts of hours that make it hard to go and work for the, the student newspaper, you know, that make it hard to spend time at the student, you know, at the student, the student agent, you know, student agency. Yeah. But gosh, you got to figure out how to do it. You know, yeah. maybe somebody will pay them eventually to, you know, to, uh, to do things, but they have to be making things and yeah. not just going, not just going to class, you know, the portfolio, you know, it's funny, you know, you're talking about the portfolio of how you need so many pieces. Well, you know, to get, you know, you maybe need to, you know, crank through a hundred different things to get five, six, seven pieces to do. You, There's no course at a, at a university that's handing out a liberal arts degree where you, that, that gives you that sort of time to do that. Right. You know, you might have four, five, six, seven assignments a semester. You know, you know, and put you need you need between you know, dividing up you know into a hundred. You know, that's a lot of years, right? So you right. got to be doing things on the side. You have to be doing things on you know on your own because you're not going to be able to show that you can make 
unless you go off and do it. Yeah. Well, hopefully some of the uh, lecturers, professors can shift their mindset and the assignments that they do assign to make them a little bit more creative focused so they can put it in their portfolio. That would be ideal. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell professors now, like to be very conscious, like their time is very valuable. And, and if it's not, if something's not going to go in their portfolio, then they're going to have to do it later. Yeah. And, you know, absolutely. And, and with our students, we, um, stress creating a portfolio really from that, that, or that, you know, that orientation class that everyone has to go through where they say you take three credits, credits of this and that. Well, they do a portfolio. Then they start it. Good. You know, they build the framework there and they learn, okay, I can create a portfolio. There's nothing in it, but I at least have, a, you know, my you know, name, you know, my you name start early. You, yeah. You start early with them. And, yeah. And then they can fill yeah. it, you know, they can fill it in and then we build classes. Uh, not, not even, not always creative classes, even like our ethics class uh, spends a huge amount of time creating a portfolio with statements of ethics. Perfect. That it builds, it builds to, you know, builds to it. And then when you go out, you, you adapt the portfolio for what you yeah. need it. You need it to do. Yeah, but you when have it's it there. It's like, yeah. But the machine, you got it. I would keep it in. And so, there we go. Um, I love that. Um, great. And also, I remember what I was going to say now. Okay. Um, it might be advantageous to show them that first day of portfolio school uh, port, uh, portfolios, like their books from VCU Brand Center, Miami Ad School, to show them what they what they're going to be up against. Uh, wow. As they graduate. Yeah. Yeah. That, day that one. would be really interesting. Just you don't want to stress them out, but just be like, hey, this is what these these guys are paying a lot of money. And you could potentially have this caliber before you graduate here. Yes. So they don't that, have that's a really, really interesting and terrifying idea. Yeah. Well, you got I mean, you know, they uh, should inspire what, you should inspire them. Inspire them. And and you know, I think one of the things that I find inspire students is not the professor talking about stuff it's former students yep who have been out for only a year or two or two years yeah two to three is like the 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 key they can see themselves yep those are their best lessons our best lessons are people that are recent like yeah they're they're in the junior level position yeah and and linkedin has been absolutely terrific for that because i can gather people and you know, very oh, quickly yeah. and, you know, pop them into, you know, pop them into classes with, uh, you know, no problem, you know, no problem at all. And the student, former students, it's great, you know, and so uh, in, in some, even in 20 years, I'm on my third generation of, you know, somebody hired, you know, got a job, former student got a job, who gave oh, yeah. another job to another more recent And you're at the center of it. More, you know, recent, not, you know, kind of the caboose, but, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it's nice to know that it, it's nice to know that it's happened. Yes. Yes. So if our listeners are interested in reaching out and can they reach out to you on LinkedIn? Is that your preferred? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Jay Newell and it's on, it's all over LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn and, you know, glad glad to, you know, glad to talk to anybody about anything. I uh, just finished up as editor of the journal of advertising education. There's actually an academic journal for professors, for ad professors. Amazing. And um, so I have a pretty good idea of, of all the different programs that, are, that you know that are that are out there, and uh, there are just some remarkable things going on. Oh yeah, great people, and uh, you know one of the things about professors is they, even some of them that came out of the you know maybe the Mad Men era or the you know the early two thousands, they're more into things like AI 
you know, in UX yeah. and all the rest, that, you know, than than the people who stayed behind and you know stayed behind in the office because they're like they're lifetime learners too. Gotcha. Well, thank you. We appreciate you uh, clarifying that, and you did a great job in this episode. So, um, oh, can't thank you. Oh, and I'll be recommending it to my students that uh, great need to know that, that that your resource is here. Great. I appreciate that. All right. We will be in touch. Have a good day. Okay. Thank Bye-bye you now. so Thank much you. for Bye-bye. listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us and help us grow and get better guests and better break-ins if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a small review if you have the time. Be sure to connect with our guests if you like what they said by going to our Instagram at breaking and entering pod. That's all one word, breaking and entering pod on Instagram. We have links to their portfolios and their LinkedIn and they want to connect. So do that. And thank yous. Thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio engineer, and Buchan Zhang, our creative director. Can't do without you two. And a team from the University of Illinois. It's a student team from the agency called AdBuzz, their PR agency. And it's been a pleasure working with them. Thank you all so much. And we will see you next week with another amazing guest.